For those of you who I have not yet met, my name is Cleopas. And that name may sound a little strange to you, so in your ears, so you can just call me Cleo to keep things simple today. You may be wondering, who am I? Well, again, to keep it simple, I'm a disciple of Jesus. Now, I'm not one of the twelve. You should be familiar with them. Andrew, Peter, James, John, that whole bunch, right? You're familiar with them? Okay. I'm not one of those 12. I'm one of the 72 that Jesus sent out a little later. And I hope you all know your scriptures, and you do remember that Jesus sent out another 72, right? After he sent out the 12. Well, even if that's not the case, if you don't remember my name, that's all right, because what's most important about me is the name of him who sent me. And I'm here to tell you and share with you today about the most amazing day of my life that I ever experienced. This was the day, it was a day, the first day of the week, and it was the day when I met my resurrected Lord. I saw him with my own eyes. But, you see, that's the end of the story. Let me rewind a little bit back up and explain how we got to that point. So like I said, this was a Sunday. After, by this point, my friend and I, another disciple, our ministry partner, we were walking on this road towards Emmaus, which was a little village about seven-ish miles away. Depending upon who you're walking with, it took about four-ish hours there. And my friend and I, we were leaving from Jerusalem. And you might be wondering, what were you doing in Jerusalem? Well, you go back a week, we went to Jerusalem in the first place for the Passover, or the Festival of Unleavened Bread. You may have heard of that or been familiar with that. Now, a week from when we entered in, uh, the Passover was over, so the Jewish people were all kind of just scattering about back to our own homes and different places that we knew of. So my friend and I, we were going to AS because I had some family members who lived there. And we set out walking in the afternoon time. And there was only one thing, or really only one person, that we could talk about. And that was Jesus of Nazareth. You see... The Passover is all about celebration. The Passover is about remembering God's grace, being thankful for his deliverance of our, our people back thousands of years ago, but also just giving thanks for the deliverance we experience every day. It's a time of celebration, a time of praise, a time of praying. That's what the Passover is all about. And that's why we were in Jerusalem. At least so we thought. The collective voice from the crowd throughout that week should have been Instead, the only thing that I really remember, that, that shrill that's still ringing in my ear, those horrifying words, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. They weren't talking about Barabbas, the scoundrel of a criminal who murdered my own cousin. They were using those words to describe Jesus, my Lord, my innocent, righteous Lord, whom I followed, I devoted years of my lives to following this man. They were saying, crucify him. So as we were walking along the road, just on our merry way, and I, not genuinely, right, we were dragging our feet literally out of Jerusalem. And it was quite dusty that day. We had to squint our eyes a bit because there's foot traffic on the ground, a lot of dust in the air. And in your own life, think about it. Whenever you have a tragedy 
or a wonderful experience, how do we as human beings get through it? We talk through it. We just process it with somebody else. That's all my friend and I were doing. We were just processing all that we had just experienced, especially over the past weekend. We were wondering, why did the world go black when he was on the cross? What did he say? What did Jesus say that got him on the cross in the first place? Did we just waste years of our lives following this man? What happens next? Where are all the other disciples at? What do we do now? We were wrestling through all of these things. And as we were walking, it seemed like there was another man. There were a lot of people trapped. And we didn't really pay much attention to it. And it seemed as though he was eavesdropping in on our conversation. Uh, we were kind of looking at him a little weird, but as soon as we kind of glanced at him, he immediately inserted himself and, and asked, hey, what are you walk, talking about as you walk along the road? And well, I immediately responded, uh, well, sir, you were in Jerusalem, right, this past week for the Passover. You know the things that unfolded there. Especially over this past weekend, you know the things that happened there. He replied, what things? And I didn't really care. I don't know what happened. I felt like there was there was which I was wrestling. Felt like a pot that, with boiling water in it. Its lid was about to. As soon as he uttered those words, what things? My mouth just spewed forth everything that was on my heart. I said about Jesus of Nazareth. You've heard of him, right? He, a mighty, powerful prophet of God. His ministry was marked by powerful words and powerful deeds. What do I mean by that? He spoke. He spoke with authority. It seemed as though he actually meant what he said. That there was weight to what he said. But not just that. He also spoke with passion. Like he actually cared about the people he was talking to. Something I never experienced before. He spoke many astounding things. For example, he taught us how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, so on and so forth. He also taught us to love our enemies. You ever heard that one before? That one, is, that one just flipped us upside down when we heard that one. Alongside that, pray for those who persecute you. Bless those who hate you. He also told us to give generously to the poor. Lay up treasures in heaven. Don't live for the things of this world. A lot of profound statements. But the thing that is even more astounding is this man came, he announced that the kingdom of God had come into the world. And what is the kingdom of God? Well, that's the peace, the justice, the perfect rule and reign of God. I think um, in your context, you always long and hope for a good president or a good governor. Right? Everybody does that in every society. But as human beings, we know that the ultimate ruler is God himself. And that when he comes into the world, he will establish his kingdom, which will be this man, Jesus. He said, the kingdom of God has come. That's an astounding claim. But you see, he backed that up. 
He didn't just make these kind of vain, empty promises. He backed up what he said by what he did. And I'm referring to his miracles, his powerful deeds that he did. For example, I remember one time we were ministering, following Jesus. He had started preaching, and eventually the crowd just seemed to be multiplying very fast. And if I were to guess, my best guess, I would say there were maybe 20-ish thousand people in the crowd when you count men, women, and children. The afternoon had progressed. It had gotten quite hot, hot under the sun. And guess what the crowd did? Guess what the crowd was like, rather? They were very hungry. You know what Jesus did? He took five loaves of bread, two pieces of grilled fish, and he multiplied it into hundreds of baskets full of food. Everybody ate, everybody was full, and not just that, there were baskets full of leftovers. I remember another occasion as we were walking with him, uh, we, toward the entrance, there was a guy sitting on the side of the road. He, he kind of had his distance, um, and his name was Bartimaeus. We were all familiar with him. He was just this beggar who, honestly, he looked pathetic. We could, kind of ignored him after so many times we've seen him. But Jesus looked at him. And Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus responded, Lord, I want to see. And you know what Jesus did? He opened his eyes up and he could see clearly for the first time in his life. I remember another occasion we were, again, with Jesus and he was ministering in somebody's house. He, he liked to vary where he, he um, ministered and taught the word. It was in people's homes, in the fields, in the streets. This time we were in somebody's house. And as he was sharing a parable, all of a sudden, some pieces of dirt started falling on our shoulders. And we look up, and the roof was starting to be dismantled. We didn't know what was going on. And eventually, uh, a bed was lowered down, and there was a man there who had been paralyzed from the waist down. And Jesus, again, both word and deed, keep that in mind, he forgave this man's sins, but he also raised him up. This man jumped, he ran, he shouted, he was rejoicing. A man who was never able to walk before. He brought hope to this man. He was powerful in word and deed. It's one thing to be able to witness these things, or to witness this glory, if you, if you want to call it that, because it was. It was glorious. But Jesus didn't just let us be spectators. He wanted us to be participants of this. He invited us to be a part of what he was doing. You see, he, he commissioned me, he commissioned so many others to go out and he was declaring. And he also gave us power from on high to go and perform miracles, to spread that kingdom, to show people this is what tangibly the kingdom of God looks like. Hope and healing and restoration. We were participants with Jesus. But all of that came to a crashing halt last week. Because in Jerusalem, we thought Jesus was going there for, to be a good Jew, to celebrate the Passover. But Jesus was ultimately seized Friday early in the morning by our synagogue leaders, by our chief priests, which in your language, by the local pastors, by the seminary leaders. They put him in chains. They brought him before Pilate. They brought him before Herod, 
another scoundrel of a man. Jesus was tried. He was unjustly convicted. And those words that the crowd chanted earlier came to fruition. He was crucified. They put him to death on a cross. And you have to understand, we had left everything to follow this man. We put all of our chips on the table to follow this man. And all of a sudden, he's gone. We didn't know what to do. We, don't, we still don't know what to do. But things get a little more weird or exciting, depending upon your viewpoint. Because this very morning, several of the women who follow Jesus also, they came to us. They were all flustered. Their hair was all crazy. They were, it seemed like they had been running for a little while. And you know what they told us? They said, we went to the tomb to anoint his body with spices, perfumes, keeping with Jewish custom, but the tomb was empty. And they did not find the body of Jesus. They also claimed that they saw two angels with powerful, bright clothes of lightning, whatever that means. And the angel said, he is not here, he is risen. And we didn't believe them. I mean, that's absurd. So we sent Peter and John to go check out. You know what they found? Exactly as the women had said. So it's just a little life lesson for you. Listen to the ladies, all right? So we don't know what's going on. We don't know what's, what happened. We don't know what it means. We don't know what's going on. Keep in mind, I was sharing this to this new travel companion we had made. You know what he said to me after I just poured out my heart of all the wonderful things I believe God had done? You know what he said to me? You fool. When was the last time somebody called you a fool? If you don't remember, is being called a fool feel good? Anyways, he called us, he called me, you fool. How slow to believe all the things that are said in the scriptures. Did not the Messiah have to suffer and then receive his glory or enter his glory after he suffered? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, this man explained to us all the things that were said in the scriptures concerning the Messiah. It was the most incredible study of scripture I'd ever experienced in my life. He went all the way back to the very beginning, the account of the Garden of Eden, the creation narrative. And there he reminded us of that word in which God will provide you an offspring. And then he's speaking to Satan in this context. And he, you will have an offspring. He will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. In other words, this man was sharing with us that this person, this Messiah, this deliverer, was going to come from Eve, was going to be born of a woman, and that this person was going to crush the head of the serpent, was going to crush the head of Satan himself. But in the process, his own foot would be bruised, and so he would suffer. But he continued on and explained how in the account of the Exodus, when our people were delivered out of Egypt, miraculously. He explained there that God's people were delivered by the sacrifice of the Passover lamb. 
He continued on and explained in the Levitical law code how forgiveness can only be found through blood. Or stated differently, sins can only be atoned for with blood. And mind you, these were just a few of the examples he gave us from the law, the very beginning of the scriptures. He continued on and shared with us through the prophets that this Messiah figure would have and enter his glory. The scripture that comes to my mind, personally, is the one from Isaiah, the scroll of Isaiah. Because there, God said, do you remember what he said there? Does anyone remember? He was pierced for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. And this man didn't stop there. Right? He was talking about all these types of suffering uh, places in Scripture, but even from the scroll of Isaiah, he showed us that suffering was not the end. Because in that very same passage, he reminded us of what the Scripture says. After he has suffered, then he will receive the light of life and be satisfied. My friend and I were completely floored when we heard this. We had never pieced these things together. You see, over this past weekend, I felt like a broken vase. The pieces scattered all over the floor. As this man was talking, it felt as though the vase were being pieced and glued back together, piece by piece. Now at this point, it was getting dark. Thankfully, we were right at the, the entrance of Emmaus. And also I noticed that the dust had settled and we were able to see the stars clearly. So as we were entering into Emmaus, our travel companion, who was keeping us quite entertained on the trip in a good way, he acted like he was going to keep walking along. And we were saying, uh, you know, sir, you know you're not supposed to walk at night. It's dangerous out there. Why don't you come stay with us? You, You know, get some refresher overnight and then be on our merry way in the morning. And the thing about it is, we didn't really know who this man was. But we did know that we did not want to be without him. It's hard to explain. So we got into our host's home. How many of you have walked four hours recently? Four continuous hours. If you've done that, you know you get hungry. So our host, thankfully, made us some fresh bread. And my friend and I, we looked at each other again we thought, yeah, this guy who seems to know the scriptures quite well, he should give thanks for the meal. Let's let him sit at the head of the table. So we sat down for the meal. He took the bread, he broke it, gave thanks, and gave each of us a piece. And do you know what happened? I saw him, who he was. My eyes were opened. The dust had settled. The vase was reassembled. My heart was filled with joy. 
the man right in front of me, the true living bread of life. Talking about Jesus. I had no idea how that happened. And I know what you're thinking. How did you not recognize him on the road? Now you understand a little bit why he used the word fool earlier. I don't know why either. All I know is I saw him. Life changed. Upside down for the better. But to keep it even more interesting, right? Following him was never boring, never dull. We saw Jesus. You know what happened next? He just straight up vanished. He disappeared. So many questions. We had so many things we wanted to ask him about. What did you, how did you get here? Where were you the past three days? He just vanished. If you want to know what happens after that, well, that's for another time. But what am I trying to say? This was the most amazing day of my life. And keep in mind, I'd had many incredible days already. Remember those miracles I was explaining earlier? I'd witnessed incredible. And I also just experienced the best study of Scripture ever. But I remind you that none of that matters unless you see the Lord Jesus as being resurrected, as being the conqueror over death. None of that matters unless you see the risen Lord with your own eyes. And you might be asking me, Cleo, well, how am I supposed to see him with my eyes? You got to see him with your own physical eyes. How am I supposed to do that? I remind you of the words of what Jesus himself said. Blessed are those who believe and who do not see. In other words, if you want to see this Jesus, in a heart, an open mind, and not just what I, what I mean, a mind and a heart that is willing to follow, that is willing to participate. Because Jesus doesn't want spectators, he wants participants active members in his kingdom. And you might be asking, all right, Cleo, I got that, but how do I have those open eyes of faith? I simply remind you with the words of the psalmist, open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things in your law. And also the words of our friend Bartimaeus that we made. I want to see If that's your prayer, if that is your genuine prayer, I promise you that he will open your eyes. And if you, perchance, have already seen this resurrected Lord with your eyes of faith, give him thanks for that, but don't you want to see him every day? Don't you want to see that hope, that joy, every day of your life? This is a continual prayer that you and I should have. Thanks for letting me share about the most amazing day of my life. It's the day I saw my resurrected Lord. Everything changed when that happened.
It's me again. Stand with me, if you will, to read God's word in conclusion. Psalmology. Luke 24, beginning in verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we walked, while, we, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be unto God. 